Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I'm going to preach for the next few moments on what, why, say this with me, why am I being tested? Hebrews chapter 2, 17 through 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. And I think I'm reading this, guys, from the Amplified. I, I usually read it from the King James, but this is a little bit more wordy, but it helps explain it. So it is evident that it was essential that he might be made like his brethren in every respect in order that he might become a merciful, sympathetic, and faithful high priest in the things related to God to make atonement and propitiation for people's sin. For because he himself in his humility has suffered as being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry of assist, relieve those who are being tempted and tested and tried and who therefore are being exposed to suffering. Now, basically, summary, Jesus was tempted, therefore understands it and comes to the aid or the assistance of those who are also being tempted. In a moment, I'm going to bring out two Greek words in the New Testament that are absolutely amazing. You're going to hear me talk about a word that is called pirazo, pirazo, and I'm going to talk about this word as it relates to testing, a word that can allude to when gold that has impurities in it is found, is put in fire melted to burn the impurities out of it. And we're going to explain that for just a moment. Now, there's a couple of facts that I want to talk to you about testing, or I'm going to use a word that you're familiar with, tempting or temptation. And this is, this is what I want to tell you. There are three different seasons of your life of testing or temptation. Luke chapter four mentions the temptation of Jesus. But let's talk about you. There's testing in youth, testing in your marriage, and testing when you get older. In your youth, according to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 22, it's lust, fleeing youthful lust or sexual temptation. That's what Paul said to Timothy to flee as a young man. So when you're younger, that's your heaviest temptation. The second temptation when you're married is Mark chapter 4, 19, cares of life, the pressures of life weighing you down to where you forget to come to church, you don't read your Bible, you don't pray anymore because you're too busy. It's a test. The third is when you get older, and that's in Galatians chapter six and verse nine, and that test is weariness. Be not weary in well-doing, but in due season you will reap if you faint not. Weariness of physical tiredness, weariness of mental tiredness, weariness of having to take care of the kids and the grandkids, come on, and the kids are still living with you and you're still paying their bills. Help me, somebody. So those are the testings of the three, what I call the three seasons. Now, in the seasons, there are three levels. There is what I call the light, the medium, and the strong testing. Jesus demonstrates this. Jesus had to deal with people who were always pulling on him, wearing him down. But that was a light pressure for him. But then he had to deal with religious people who were always attacking him and at times wanted to kill him. That was the medium form of temptation. He would either go and hide, he would supernaturally escape, or he would somehow deal with them verbally and embarrass them. 
Number three, the third level is the strongest, and that's in Matthew 4 and Luke chapter 4, where it says Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tested of the devil. Anytime a direct satanic testing comes, it is the highest level of temptation or testing that you will experience. Now, in the testing, what are the purposes for it? Purpose, one purpose is to get, make you think God doesn't care about you. One purpose is to try to make you quit or give up before the breakthrough or the blessing comes. One is to try to get you to criticize God and how he's doing things or his lack of involvement as it seems to be in your life. Genesis chapter 22, let's start with Abraham when we talk about test. The King James translation says, and it came to pass afterwards that God did tempt Abraham. It's King James 1611 translation. That has always bothered me because I read in the New Testament that God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when they're drawn away by their own lust and enticed. So what you do when you see a verse that doesn't make sense or seems to contradict is simply go back to the original word. The original word there, God did tempt Abraham, is not tempt like tempting we think of. It's testing, it's to assay, it's to put to a test. It is better rendered and it came to pass that God put Abraham to a test. Critics look at that verse of God wanted a man to offer a human sacrifice of his son. What kind of God is that? Listen to me folks, he never sacrificed his son, it was a test. And the reason God told his covenant man Abraham to take his only son and put him on Mount Moriah on the altar and lay him on wood is God said, if a human man can take his only son and willingly put him on wood, one day I'll take my only son to the same mountain in Jerusalem and let him go to the cross. If, if a human man was willing, God said, I'll be willing. So it was a test. Now, when we look at the word test, test is not in the New Testament. In our, what, and I, again, I, I refer back to the 1611 translation, which is what most translations come out of. But there are two words in the original Greek language, the New Testament's written in Koine Greek, that have the implication without a doubt of trying, tempting, or testing. And these are the words I want you to get because these are very important. One word which is translated in the New Testament as the word tempt or test is the, what, we, what we would call testing, is the word dokimazo. Now that just, sounds, that just sounds like Donkey Kong when I hear it. You know, I don't know where my, where my mind goes as a kid, but dokimazo. But I want to explain to you about this word, which again is in our New Testament in the Greek language because the New Testament was written in Greek. This word dokimazo is interesting because in the ancient manuscripts, which are non-biblical, but when it was used in the time of the Greeks, it meant a doctor passing his medical exam. So it meant a doctor that had to go through a test of a medical exam to pass the exam in order to become a doctor. So the word dokimazo means to pass an examination. Today, if we were in, in the culture of Jesus' day, I would say the students are going to go to a test at the school. We're going to give a test to the students. This is the word I would use 
as the teacher to talk about what you are about to experience. Now, how many of you know that you can only pass a test if you have done two things? Number one is listened to the teacher. Hello. And number two, you can only pass it if you have retained the information that has been taught to you. The reason we fail to pass the test is we're not listening. How many pastors waste their time counseling people who want not knowledge to help them, but attention? And they get into drama and I gotta talk to you, pastor. I've gotta talk, I gotta talk, I gotta talk. There comes a time you quit talking and you start walking. There comes a time that you take what you've learned and you use that and apply that information to your particular situation. So you can only experience dokimazo if you have knowledge and you pass the test based on the knowledge you have. But the word that is interesting, which is a second word, is this word which is translated as tempt or tempted 14 times in the English Bible in the New Testament. Now this particular word, and you gotta follow me, I know I'm, I'm, I'm a little deep here in some things, but you've got to track because we're going somewhere. This will help you if you'll hear it and listen. But this next word is called perazzo. And what it means is to pierce something through with the intent of searching what is on the inside of it. So when this word is used in the New Testament, it's used as Christ was tempted of the devil. He was perazzoed. In other words, Satan comes to see what is it in you? Are you really the son of God? If you say in your heart, you are the son of God, Prove to me in a test that you are the son of God by jumping off the pinnacle and not hurting yourself. This real big pinnacle of the temple, jump to the ground, don't die. See if the angels will deliver you. Let me see, you say you're the son of God in your heart. Let me put you through a test and you command these stones to be made bread, then I'll believe you're the son of God if you can do a miracle because I know you're hungry. So in other words, this word that is used in the New Testament is to search something on the inside to determine if it is good or bad. Now, now, now watch this. Or to search it on the inside to determine if it has a weakness on the inside that cannot be seen from the outside. Now, in this terminology, and I want you to understand the culture of the day, this would also allure, allude to testing a vessel before it went to market. They made millions, I would say millions because, you know, I'm talking about over the centuries, not just in Jesus' day, of clay vessels. They did it for thousands of years. But before they put a clay vessel for sale, they would fill it with water or substance to make sure it did not leak because you're not gonna put a leaky vessel on a market shelf. So this perazzo also means this, and this is where it comes to where I'm talking to you in a moment and gonna show you something. The Greek word perazzo is used for pressure, 
pressure that a person comes under that could cause them to fold, give up, or quit when they are under that pressure. It is used in a connotation, and this is where you come in, with Satan tempting a person to sin. So this is the word you're looking at when I talk about you're being tempted of the devil. This is the word that Paul would have used, that Christ would have used, anyone speaking Greek in that day would have used to describe what you were dealing with and what you were going through. It also can mean, now watch this, to exploit a person's weakness physically, to exploit their weakness mentally and emotionally, or to exploit a weakness that they have spiritually in some way or another. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you is to help you understand something that a lot of people haven't quite got yet. And that is, and listen carefully, you really do not know what's in you till pressure comes. When you're about to get married to someone, you need to watch them lose their temper before you're married. Because that's what you're gonna see a lot after you're married. It's like I tell these young guys, go ask the mom and dad, can you come over to the house and see the girl with her makeup off? Because trust me, that's what you're gonna be waking up to the rest of your life. Hello, somebody. You need to go see him with his hair off and his teeth out of his mouth. Watch it. Before you marry him. Because trust me, these Hollywood movies where they wake up in the morning after sleeping all night and they're passionately kissing each other is a lie from the pit of hell. You talk about fake news, that's as fake as it gets. Can, can somebody married, but I can't get no help up in here this morning. Can somebody married help me out if you understand what I'm talking about? But the thing I want to point out is this. You, people have in them weaknesses. They have a temper that you may have not seen. They have fears that they have not yet confronted. They have racism in their heart that you've not watched them deal with. I could go through a list of five or 10 weaknesses of the flesh. There's men that have pornographic weaknesses. They have a lust of the flesh they deal with. There's women that have all kinds of insecurities that affect their marriage after they are married. And so here's what Satan attempts to do. Satan attempts to put a pressure on a person to bring out the weakness, watch this now, not to assist them in dealing with the weakness, but to cause them to fall as a result of the weakness. And so I want you to understand testing, and I feel the anointing real heavy right now. I want you to understand testing from two different points of view. I want you to understand testing from God's point of view. Then I want you to understand testing from Satan's point of view. First of all, let me talk to you about God's point of view. And I'm gonna use an illustration here, and not to, I would never call names or embarrass anyone, but I'll use the illustration here. Many years ago, I had a, a, a close friend, it was a husband and wife team, in fact, he and I are still best friends and he happens to be probably one of the best friends I have in this life. This man's wife was a powerful preacher. My granddad said 
And my granddad sat under a woman called Amy Simple McPherson a long time ago in a tent. He said she has the same anointing as Amy McPherson. When this woman would, we'd go on vacation with the families, she'd stay in the room and pray all day long while we're out touring. It was crazy. And then when she'd go to preach, she'd fast all the time. To make a long story short, she had a family situation with a daughter that caused her embarrassment. Something happened emotionally to her and she kind of went off on the deep end. The next thing I knew, she'd had an affair with the guy. She'd gotten pregnant with this guy. She had to leave her husband because the guy said, as long as you live, I'll go to churches where you preach and stand up and tell, expose you in front of everybody. And she felt this hopeless situation that she'd gotten herself in a pit that she couldn't get out of, lost her whole ministry. And I, I said to my dear friend who was her her husband who to this day, they, of course they, they separated and, and he didn't want it, but she did it because she felt like she was in a, a, a box she couldn't get out of now. And I said, what do you think the problem was? And as we discussed this, he said she never had a problem with lust. She never had a problem with pornography, but she had a problem with pride because instead of handling the situation right with her daughter, telling the church, God bless my daughter. She's gone through something. She said, you've wrecked my ministry. You have ruined me. I wish I had another daughter. I heard her say it. And I realized that pride was the root. Can I tell you many times when people have a problem that causes them to give up, quit or fall, it's not what you see that caused the problem. The root may be pride or arrogance. Come on, I'm preaching whether you're hearing it or not. So my point is, Satan capitalized on something, now watch, that was on the inside of the heart, although nobody else could see that it was on the inside of the heart. So the pressure came or a family test came, am I helping anybody in this place? That exposed something that was there that maybe she didn't see it that way, and I can say she, he, whoever the case may be. So please understand this. The end result of a satanic test or satanic pressure is always one, th well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say two things. Number one, to cause something to happen that will embarrass you to the point that you wanna leave the church, you wanna leave godly people, you wanna leave people that could help you because you're humiliated and you're embarrassed. So it either is to cause such embarrassment to you that you don't wanna be around anybody. And that's the worst mistake you can make. Brothers and sisters, when the devil comes in and hits you, I don't wanna go hide somewhere in a back door closet under my car in the garage. I want somebody to pick up a phone and be able to say, I need some help with somebody pray for me buying this thing I'm coming against. Please understand that's what God would have you to do. But either, they, so if he doesn't embarrass you to the point to where you just give up and quit and back up, the next thing he will attempt to do is make you just totally, completely give up on God because your attitude will be, well, I can't fight this. I can't deal with this. So why am I even trying? How many of you know in the body of Christ, we need a no quit, woo, we need to get rid of the quit option. 
We need to just get the quit option off the table and never give up and never quit. Now, I wanna show you something about God allowing a test to come. Because obviously there are times that the Lord allows things. Look at the book of Job. He allowed Job to go through that. But do you know why God allowed Job to lose everything? Are you ready? Because God knew Job better than the devil did. Because the devil said he'll quit, he'll give up, and he'll curse you. And God said, I can see a part of him that you can't see. You see his stuff, but I see his heart. You see what he owns, but I see on the inside. He's got integrity toward me, and he never sinned, and he never gave up. But here's what I want to tell you. When God allows you to go through a test of any kind, and he's permitted it to happen, please understand what is happening because of the test. God allows it to reveal to you the things that are in you that if you don't deal with them could cause you a problem down the road, could cause something to happen. It could be months or years later down the road and could cause something to happen. So there's two ways of looking at your testing. Number one is to look at it and say, I know that what I'm going through is abnormal, therefore it's an attack of the enemy. But how do I deal with an attack of the enemy? I'll talk about that in just a moment. And then the second thing we have to know is this, if, if we're in it, obviously God has permitted it. So what is the Lord trying to show me through what I'm dealing with and the testing that I'm going through? But the words, both of these Greek words, have to deal with an examination you have to pass. See, God wants you to pass the test. Or the other word deals with piercing you through to see what's in there. But I wanna tell you, my God, I feel this, hallelujah. Listen to what the Lord says in Revelation 3 and 10, because you've kept my commandments to persevere. I will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. That word test is perazo, the coming tribulation. Watch what he said. I will keep you from the parazo that's coming because you have kept my word. My, 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 my. And that word keep is the same word in John 17, 15 where the Lord Jesus prayed, Father, keep my disciples. Don't take them out of the world. Keep them from what is about to happen. How many of you know there is a little bit of keeping power in the power of God and the word and the power of the Holy Spirit? The, come on, let's praise him one time right now for that. The Lord has the ability to keep hedge in and preserve a person. But I tell you, this has got to be one of my favorite verses. Hebrews 4, 15, 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but now watch this, but was in all points tested as you and I, and the word there is tempted, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of our need. Now notice this. Jesus did not come as an angel, nor did he come only as God. He had to come as God in a man's body. For what reason? To be able to be tested like you and I. Now the point, this is so powerful. When it says he was tempted in all points, that word all points means this. Thoroughly, totally, and completely in every area. Now I know it's hard for us as believers to comprehend this, but I want you to think of any testing that a human being has to go through. 
I want you to know Jesus went through it. He lost his best friend who died. He was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, the Bible says. Then he's tested in all points as you and I. They criticized him. They mocked him. They called him a heretic. They said he was full of the devil. He had verbal abuse. He experienced physical abuse. But he was tested in all points. Now, here's what I love about this. Lord, help me get this across in the name of Jesus. It says that Christ, having been made a man, having been tested, is touched. And that word touched in Greek is the word for sympathy. Or he has sympathy. He's touched or has sympathy for us because he has been through what we have been through. So in other words, here's the thing that you've got to understand as a believer in testing that is the greatest revelation I could give you in this message. And that is this. It doesn't matter if you're on the light level, the medium level, or the hard level. It doesn't matter if it's the youthful level, if it's the married level, or if you're at the, the time of weariness in your life and you're a lot older now. The Bible says this, that when we cry out to him, he immediately sympathizes with our infirmity. The Greek word infirmity is the word for weakness and it means mental weakness, spiritual weakness, or physical weakness because the high priest that we are going to has already been through and learned how to defeat everything that you are going to go through or you have ever been through or in the future that you will ever go through. Aren't you glad, oh my, my, that we do not serve a God that is so high and above that when we go to heaven's altar, he looks at us and says, well, stupid, I don't know why you did that. Now, I'm God, but I created you and I'm upset at you because you're so dumb to do anything like that. That is not how this kingdom operates, nor does the throne room and the judge room of heaven operate. Aren't you glad that when you say, Lord, if you don't mind, I need some attention right now. I'm crying out to you because I've got the devil on my back and I feel like I'm being run down and chased down. I feel like I'm about to fall flat on my face. Aren't you glad we got a high priest that says, well, I remember a time when I was living on earth that I had the same thing. I remember when they spat on me. I remember when they mocked me. I remember when they hated me. I remember when they killed me. I remember when they beat me. I remember when my best friend died. I remember when my disciples left me, when my best friends gave up on me, when nobody was standing with me. So yes, I understand what you're going through and I will be there to help you because I am a high priest who understands everything you're dealing with. If you don't help me, praise God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh my. And let me talk to you about failure for a minute or sin. You know, David, David did two sins. In, in the act of adultery, that's one level of sin, but then he had the husband set up to be killed, so he was guilty of adultery and murder. And in both instances, according to the law, breaking those two commandments of you should not kill, should not commit adultery, he should have been stoned, but he wasn't stoned. And that always, that always kind of puzzled me. And here's what David said in Psalms. <laughs> I'm gonna paraphrase it. Lord Jesus, for he has not judged us according to the level of our sin. Well, I read that the other day, I said, whoa. He could have judged you or me or any of us in our past on the level of what we did. 
And the reason David, and I've, read, I've said this for years, the reason David had mercy, you read it, he's always so in mercy. He could have killed Saul twice and wouldn't do it. When a man wanted to stone him, David's men said, let's take his head off. And David said, oh, leave him alone. Maybe I deserve it. And God, I could say this about every one of you that's still living. He never judged you according to the level that he could have. <laughs> but I want to tell you why. Because you have a high priest who's touched by what you go through. Now, this does not justify doing wrong and it does not justify failure. It does, we're not making justifications on human weaknesses. But here's what I want to tell you. I've got to get through this. I feel such an anointing to pray with people right now. Because I had somebody ask me the other day, they said, why does God say so much about, about sin? Well, first of all, the original sin was, was, was with Lucifer rebelling in heaven and it split up the family of angels. One third of the angels left God. So the family of angels was divided over a sin. God created Adam and called Adam his son in Luke's gospel. And yet it separated the family of Adam and Eve from God. One sin. He created Israel and in Exodus says, Israel, my son, and they worship a gold cow. Idolatry separated people from God. The reason God hates sin, you ready? Listen to me. It does two things. It destroys families and relationships. That's why he hates it. He's, God is a family man. He, he has son, he has daughters, he has children. And so that's why he hates it. He doesn't hate people. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't hate me. He hates what it does to relationships and families. You've seen it happen. But there's four things the Lord wants me to leave with you. And I really feel a great anointing of God. Number one, how does God aid you? Number one, he will give you a season of relief. It says in Luke 4 that after Satan tempted Jesus, the devil left him for a season because Jesus kept quoting verses. And that's one way you defeat this thing is by quoting the word. Something about the Bible, the enemy don't want to hear it. <laughs> Number two, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, with the test, he will make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. So you're either going to be able to bear up under the pressure and make it, or he's going to give you the exit door. Sometimes you got to be like Joseph. Joseph ran out of the house. <laughs> she grabbed his, you know, talk about the story of Potiphar. She got his coat, but he's gone. So sometimes your way of escape is to get out of the party. Come on, I'm going. I'll see y'all later. Just, well, just sometimes you got to leave. Number three, God will give you, according to the Bible, a new heart and a new mind. So he, he, he relieves the pressure by taking the old stony hard heart out. He does it spiritually and replacing it with his heart. And then you relieve yourself of the pressure because your heart has changed spiritually on the inside. And as in Paul's case, at other times, he will supernaturally remove you out of it. And I will go back to the verse I said earlier. He is able to aid those, that's the newer translation, who cry out to him. Thank you for listening. 
take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.